Hi, I'm Joshua Allen Deach, the author of Strangeness in Proportion. And right now, the booked podcast is making love to your ear. Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This week's book is called Hard Bite, and it's by author Anonymous9. Um, it's our second monkey book. Yeah, lots of monkeys. Yeah, and you yeah. know what? We did a, a animal book, or a book with an animal last time, too. We did, but that was a dog. I know. It was, I understand it was a dog. It's not the same as a monkey. Right. There, there is a difference. <laughs> pets. They were both pets. Next week, our parrot mystery. Yeah. <laughs> All right, before we get into the book, let's tell you a little bit about the author. Um, see, I'm going to want to say Dash in this because that's how it's written, and I want to make sure I get the author's name right. Um, Anonymous Nine lives the undiscovered writer's life in sheer opulence, surrounded by servants and fine furnishings in a converted garage not far from Hollywood and nowhere near the beach. Every now and then, she ventures to the East Wing where her office resides and pecks out a few words on a new story. Life is grand, a bed of roses. It's a giant carrot cake muffin with cream cheese icing and a cherry on top, just like her first Blasted Heath novel, Hard Bite. Sounds nice, doesn't it? I gotta tell you, a giant carrot cake muffin with cream cheese icing and a cherry? Not bad. Not bad stuff. I could go for one of those. (laughs) All right, a little bit about the book, Uh, Hard Bite. Uh, the hit and run. This is the uh, the synopsis we pulled from actually the Blasted Heath website. The hit and run driver took everything: his wife, child, and legs. Now a paraplegic, Dean Drehart unleashes payback on suspected hit and run errs, hit and runners in Los Angeles with his helper monkey Sid as his deadly assistant. Dean's gentle, doting nurse Marcy knows nothing about what he's up to. When Sid tears out the throat of a Mexican mafia member. She gets kidnapped in order to force Dean's surrender. Armed with nothing but his wits, Sid, and a sympathetic streetwalker named Cinda, Dean manipulates drug cartel Carnales and the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department in a David against Goliath plot that twists and turns to a heart-pounding showdown. All right, so I think that's a pretty fair summation of the story. What do you think? Carnale has caught me off, but yes. Yeah, that's pretty good. So were you thinking those would sound really tasty? I was, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need to get some beans with that. <laughs> All right. So in case you didn't catch this, Dean Drehart is our protagonist. He is also a paraplegic um, who has no use of his legs or one of his arms. Uh, and this happened um, when he was in a hit-and-run accident, uh, which he lost his, uh, his child. And uh, eventually his wife, though not in the accident itself. Yep. And now really the only way he can justify going on living is by bringing people to justice who have kind of done something similar. So he goes through some detective work to tie people who have done hit and runs to the the crimes that they've committed. And once he's satisfied that um, he's got the right person... He, uh, he sends Sid after them. <laughs> Sid the monkey. Can I say, though, before we get on to that, the thing that I really like about this, and we've talked about this on the show before, is how a lot of times your protagonist has the exact skill set needed to be able to, yeah. to you know get revenge or get mm-hmm. involved in these situations. So Dean is the least likely to get involved in anything, anything at all, because yeah. he's, he's missing the use of three limbs. So I've, I've got to give uh, some credit here to Anonymous9. For, uh, for you know, having a protagonist who really has the odds pitted against him and isn't a former CIA agent that this happens to, and you know he's just got like a bad limp and decides to go after hit and run drivers, but he still like knows you know like ninja karate moves and you know and how to you know disassemble an AK forty seven blindfolded that type of thing. Right. So, so uh, yeah, the most unlikely of heroes. Um, and and in, this is what I'm going to go on to refer from now on as the 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 Ferguson conundrum. Where uh, that's why he hates the raw shark texts because um, he his problem with it is that like there's a problem and the people who are faced with that problem have the exact type of skills that they need to 
overcome that problem, and so it really pissed him off, like how convenient it was that they had everything they needed, basically. The Ferguson conundrum. <laughs> uh, let's not turn this into a debate on the raw shark texts again. No, 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 no. Yeah, well, that's been so, done to death. So, so Sid is a is this right? Is this he's a cappuccino monkey, like the guy that works at Starbucks? Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's the exact pronunciation, but he's the monkey from Outbreak, right? Yes, I but no, no, is it? Isn't I thought Outbreak ca- had a different monkey. Well, I don't know the exact monkey, but doesn't they look like that? The Hang on. Or no, is it the organ grinder kind of monkeys? I believe that's the kind of monkey it is. I'm searching it right now. Yeah, this is... Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. But oh, no, also, you are correct. Outbreak the film, a white-headed cappuccino monkey. There it is, cappuccino monkeys. See, I know what I'm talking about. Is that also an organ ground grinder monkey? I think they look the same, but, you know... I'm no biologist. Oh, oh! I thought you were gonna go totally monkey racist and say all monkeys look the same. <laughs> Heartless, <laughs> monkey racist. <laughs> the only monkey I'm racist against was in a James Patterson book. Okay, but that was the best part of the Patterson book. Let's be fair. And it was a chimpanzee. Are those apes or are they monkeys? Oh, this has gone really, really bad. <laughs> Just all together. <laughs> Where were you going? You were you had something you were going on with that? Oh no, I was just asking if that that it's a cappuccino monkey. But we could talk a little bit about the monkey. So, Sid has come uh, to to work with four, however you want to classify that, with Dean, um, because Dean learns of this group that has that trains monkeys to help handicap people because they have you know little hands and and they learn really well. Yeah, anyway, so he buys this monkey, and uh, and trains it himself. To help him in his everyday life. Of course, he also trains the monkey to kill people. And that is actually where um, the the book's title comes from, which this is always something that, you know, I like to see where the title ties in with, with the actual story. And if it doesn't tie in, that kind of, like, bugs me a little bit. But you get a look really, really early on in the book of where the title comes from. And where the title comes from is... Uh, um, how Sid will will bite someone, and uh, when I guess the command really to kill someone is when uh, Dean tells Sid to to hard bite, um, and then that's when the you know the monkey will just go and like tear out someone's jugular that type of thing. That's a pretty cool scene the the, the first the first Dean Sid uh, excursion to do this. I mean, we actually pick up with him the very first time Dean Dean. Um, decides to to kill somebody yeah and yeah that's yeah that's kind of where it starts off and i um i have to be honest going into a book that's about a paraplegic vigilante with a pet monkey it's a little nervous about how it was going to work out but the way that this first like uh attack went down was just so excellent i i thought it was funny enough a little bit not so brutal but um, it just worked very well for me, and the way it was executed, I thought was very good. Agreed. So this attack brings in our uh, detective, the guy on the other side of the fence. His name is Doug Colson, and he's just uh, your average kind of LA detective um, who comes across uh, this this uh, murder, and then another maybe murder that happens nearby, and he's the one who starts to kind of put the pieces together. It also brings in our, I guess, enemies, the bad guys. Yes. Which is, uh, did I write that down right, that name? Malalinda, the Malalinda family, which is like a Mm -hmm. cartel family. Accidentally, yeah, as it said in the synopsis, uh, the the first victim is is a Mexican mafia member of this Malalinda family. And, um, uh, you know, Dean's not aware he's taken down some mafioso person. He's just, you know going after someone who hit and ran and so this is kind of where the conflict takes off and actually a significant amount of the book is spent with the uh the surviving family of the mala lindas and uh their attempts at revenge and and all that kind of stuff yeah so the family's run by orella mala linda think savages only not as hot as uh, what's her name was that played the mexican mafia family leader in selma hayek yeah, her. 
she's pretty. She is pretty. I didn't get that about Arella, that she was that pretty. Well, yeah, she was older and a widow and everything. Not older, older, but like, you know, mm-hmm. middle-aged to, you know, that type of age. Yeah, because couldn't possibly make her attractive, right, Rob? What? 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 <laughs> well, I mean, and she's got adult, adult-aged uh, sons, obviously. Yes. So that's why she, she has to be, like, not the young, super hot person. And uh, the other character worth mentioning, I think, is Cinda, who is Dean's um, hooker girlfriend. She's actually his girlfriend, but she's also a hooker, and which she... is cool because he is a paraplegic, hooks up with, like, a hottie, even if she is a hooker. Yeah. You know? yeah. And she's probably got a heart of gold. Of course, all hookers do. Yeah. Well, you, you knew this, right? No, I don't no, know. Really? Maybe all of them do. Yeah. You well, yeah. I guess you know better than I do. Mm-hmm. I think uh, there's scientific proof. <laughs> um, yeah, Cinda's pretty cool. Um, and I guess the whole idea of the relationship is like Dean's pretty messed up and 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 not grotesque looking, but not easy on the eyes after the accident. And Cinda's got her own baggage, and she's a sex worker and everything, so they kind of learn to appreciate each other for their messed up selves and, and they work well together. I don't think I'm really spoiling anything because it's the first time they mention Cinda that this comes up, but one of the reasons that she's with him is his inability physically to cause her harm like other men have. Oh yeah, because she's been abused in the past and stuff. Which I thought was kind of an interesting uh, an interesting character quirk. So basically, we follow these characters that we just mentioned over the course of what's maybe a couple of weeks through the book. Does that sound right? I'd say, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it breaks down like this. Dean kills, you know, some people. The, The cartel is affected. Obviously, the police are looking for him. So basically, everybody's looking for Dean while Dean's looking for other hit and run drivers. Yep. That's pretty much yeah the the brunt of the story and the night. The nice thing is like the focus on the Dean side of it is you're seeing like a person obviously who's just consumed with vengeance because of the things that he's gone through, and um, and but he's got this kind of moral code of you know these pers- the people who you know took uh, innocent people from their families need to pay for what they've done when the you know police aren't doing anything about it. And so um, it's interesting to see how driven the character is and how you know things that unfold later affect you know uh, his convictions and stuff. Yeah, I'll be honest, throughout the whole book I was waiting for a scene where he needed to hitchhike where I have that intimate <laughs> knowledge of, so, of... <laughs> hitchhiking in a wheelchair. Yeah, I mean, I read an extensive essay on that, and I was hoping to see that come into play in this book, but it didn't. It didn't. He always uh, seems to get a ride somehow without having to thumb it. That would have been excellent. I, I didn't even think about that, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all I could think about. That's kind of that's kind of weird. I was really focused <laughs> on the monkey and how much nicer this monkey was than other monkeys we've read. Oh, wait, by monkey you mean actual monkeys, not books by... Not what? Not books by monkeys. You mean actual monkeys that we read? Oh, yeah. Not books by monkeys or not people who look like monks. <laughs> All right. That's like it makes sense to anybody who didn't listen to a couple episodes ago. <laughs> yes. Books about monks. Monkey books. Mon- monkey looking <laughs> people. <laughs> um, so basically this is, um, although the premise sounds a little, uh, you know, crazy, a little out there. Um, the book takes itself very seriously, I think. It's not it's not terribly tongue-in-cheek, although Dean has a pretty optimistic outlook on his situation um, and can be kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say funny, but, you know, he's kind of humorous in parts. I mean, the book is actually, for the, the insane premise, treats itself very seriously and does a good job with it. You know what I think of when I read this, kind of? What's that? And I don't know if this is going to mean anything to you because I don't think you've read them, but the uh, the Dexter books... Because you have essentially someone who's a vigilante who works by a specific code, and the books are serious. I mean, like the actual, you know, they're not like comedy. I guess they could be considered humor books, but I mean, it's serious subject matter, and it's just a bunch of really weird stuff that happens. But the the overall tone, where it is kind of like funny and lighthearted and jokey at points, but still serious, kind of is the same with this as it would be with the Dexter books. 
You know, I agree with you. I only read the first one, but I am a, a big fan of the TV series. And oddly, I was just watching the most recent episode and thought that um, they kind of picked up the humor a little bit, that some of the little conversations they have are, are much better and funnier than they have been in the past. Hmm. Yeah. So if you've been reading the Dexter books and you want something that feels kind of similar with uh, maybe more monkeys and less functioning legs, you might want to check this out. So it's watching Dexter going, you know, it would make this really great a monkey <laughs> in a wheelchair. <laughs> but not a monkey in a wheelchair. That's just sad. <laughs> I think you might have a premise for, for a sequel to, to Hard Bite now. Um, so. Yeah. Do you want to, what are you, are you ready for some quotes? I think I'm ready for some quotes. All right. Would you yeah. like me to go first? Go for it. All right. So this is a pretty good, accurate self-description of, of Dean from the book. The circumstance I found myself in, broken in bed, crushed like a worm, gave birth to vigilante cripple man so he could roll justice across Los Angeles, one hit-and-run driver at a time. That's pretty much perfect, yeah. That's what I meant, even though he is very self-aware and kind of lighthearted about the situation in a lot of places, you know, the book's still very serious. This is toward the beginning of the book, and I just really liked it. Uh, if somebody walked in and saw a blood-soaked monkey splashing in the sink, it would be over. <laughs> like that. I, this next one isn't a quote it's just that once in a while I make like a really weird note <laughs> in this note um, there, there's a situation where uh, the, the mafia gang leader Orella is, uh, is seducing somebody to, to get what she wants and there's just this line it says she pours some <laughs> she pours some in his navel and licks it out and <laughs> She's referring to the liquor. I believe it was champagne. And uh, it says, does it taste better that way, he asks. And my note just says, yuck. Like <laughs> I was just like, this is this is horrible. Why Why would this woman do this? Why? So Maybe that's, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Not specifically a quote, but yeah, that, that, that's a, a, a note of interest. I, I, it was kind of an ick moment for me, too. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if it's just <laughs> the type of person that we are. Or the type of, you know, like the type of person. I don't know if there's a target audience for the, but like, yeah, just a, that was kind of more ugh, than anything. Not, it wasn't Mexican, erotic. Mexican mobsters. I guess so. We'll have to check with some of our Mexican mobster friends and see if that works for them. <laughs> I'll send some emails since we're done here. <laughs> All right, here's a quick one. Uh, and this is kind of more of the, the serious mindset of Dean. Psychopathic killer? No, I am not one of them. That being said, is it so bad that I enjoy my work? This is Dean is having a meeting with a, a potential hit and run driver. His hand closes over it, and I can tell he's rubbing the paper a little, checking the feel to make sure it's real. It's real, all right. I'm here to murder the guy, not rip him off. <laughs> uh, quick one, a little bit funnier. Uh, Sid is getting a sugar high on from his cola, and I've let him have fun jumping up and down on Miss Hastings' inert form. He knows he's not supposed to jump up and down on people when they're asleep. But it'll be our little secret. I like that. I did like I did like that one quite a lot. I'm gonna do another one really quickly. Um, and actually, I just want to point out that uh, vigilante cripple quote. Uh, I had that one as well. So there we go, having a, having the same yeah. quote. Um, this one I just liked the image. It's pretty simple, not too much to it, but uh, I have some time to consult my conscience, but it's crashed. Just a blank blue screen with no cursor blinking. I don't really like about that, but it was just kind of, you know, kind of nice. This one, I believe, happens very, very closely to... Um, actually, yeah, it leads right into one that you read, but it's the uh, he, he reads the definition of, of serial murder, and it's the unlawful killing of two or more victims by the same offenders, offender or offenders on separate occasions. Reading that quote is always a letdown. I qualify as a serial murderer according to the broad definition. No getting around it. Flip to profiling, page 792. A psychopathic serial killer is sadistic, impulsive, and organized. And I'm not going to read the rest of it. It's going to bleed into Rob's um, into Rob's thing. But it's, I thought it was great that Dean actually consults a manual to find out if he's a serial killer or not. <laughs> I had one other quote, but then I realized it might be a little too spoiler heavy. So I'm going to skip it and just uh, end with what I've already read. You know, and looking at mine, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I do have one more that I can read, though. 
My mission is to take out as many hit-and-run drivers as possible before my life is over. Correction, before this life is over. As you already know, good buddy, I'm more than 50% dead already. Only revenge animates this ravaged pile of flesh. There I go again, getting all philosophical. Gotta do something to keep the spirits up and humor intact, right? Otherwise, the living, like Cinda, will desert me. Laugh and the world laughs with you. Weep and you weep alone, as people have been quoting since 1883 when Ella Whoever Wilcox originally said it. That's a good one. I like that one a lot. Gonna wrap my quotes right there. Hey, speaking of wrapping, why don't you uh, do a wrap-up and a, and a rating? That is a brilliant idea, sir. So, we have a book that, you know, <laughs> I kind of took very tongue-in-cheek when we had... Uh, you know when we decided that this was going to be our next review um, because the concept was a little nutty as I may have mentioned as you may have heard Um, but I gotta tell you that the book took itself seriously enough and dealt with realistic enough issues that it wasn't a a problem Um, even Sid did not portray an over-the-top even when we read Zoo the monkey that we kind of liked in that and I don't remember his name his personality was a little too human yeah like the the author tried too hard to make that monkey a a character and you know an actual character and not you know an animal sidekick and uh, I didn't find that with Sid I, I think I really enjoyed Sid's part in this a lot but I didn't feel like it was overdone at all and actually one of my quotes that I had much like you um, was going to give away a, a you know what I think was a little too spoilery but it, it really made me understand and kind of love Sid all the more and it happens later in the book so um, that being said, it was uh, it was uh, funny enough and uh, and a good enough story. And I mean, I just rolled right through it. I mean, there really was. I had to put it down because I had to read in spurts. But actually, the second half of it I read in one single sitting. So I mean, I just breezed through this book. Uh, granted, it's not very long. What's it coming at? Two hundred and fifteen pages, I think. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I got to give it four stars. Really enjoyable. Before I go on with my wrap up, I just want to point out that you said you rolled right through it. <laughs> nice. Much like Dean Drehart would. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so here's what I think about the book. Um, the, I think the biggest reservation I had about it going in was that, you know, a paraplegic vigilante, a pet monkey, all these types of things were, were going to seem a little bit tough to anchor into uh, a, a story that was uh, palatable, I guess. And none of that was a problem. I really got the Dean thing. Um, and, and the character was good. The Sid Monkey thing was good. His, his partner was good. Pretty much, you know, the whole thing, the detectives. Everything read well and everything was as it should have been. The... I'm not even going to say these are bad things. But the things that I found myself thinking once or twice were that sometimes it felt like we stayed with one of the stories too long. So we'd be with Dean for a while, and then we'd jump over and we'd watch what was going on with the Mexican Mafia. And when we were with the Mexican Mafia, sometimes it was several chapters in a row. So it felt like it took me away from the protagonist for more time than I had expected to, which wasn't a bad thing. The story development that went on... uh, it was all good. Um, it just felt like the pacing was a little bit, you know, uh, it wasn't jumping back and forth as much as I expected it to. The other thing, really, the only other hesitation I had was I, c- it, I could have stood to see a little bit more of the background story of Dean and his family. We, we did flashback at one point to the incident that put him in a wheelchair and a little bit to his family, his wife, you know, and you know, after the daughter passed and everything uh, from the accident, a little bit of their interaction, but not nearly as much as I expected to. But that being said, we still got plenty of the emotional, uh, uh, like, turmoil that was driving his need to, to get revenge the way he did. So that wasn't a bad thing. I just kind of expected more. So I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna keep talking all night. But essentially. Um, what it boils down to is I liked all the characters. I liked the story. Um, it was paced a little differently than I thought, and I was hoping to see a little bit more background story, but, you know, a nice balance of, of serious and funny and everything. And overall, I like the stories. I'm going to do three stars. All right. That was our second Blasted Heath book, officially our second Blasted Heath book that we reviewed. That's right, Dead Money by Ray Banks. 
That's right. So, very cool. Um, Blasted Heath, if we didn't mention it last episode, does exclusively ebooks. So you can check them out at blastedheath.com. Um, lots of good stuff. If I had to recommend one that we haven't reviewed, uh, All the Young Warriors by Anthony Neil Smith. I really enjoyed that one a lot. Oh, I did not read that. Yep. So I liked that. But yeah, Blasted Heath is doing great things. And they're doing it all digitally, which makes me just so happy. <laughs> Livius, <laughs> we all know Livius. I don't know if he, he, he's either paper cut prone and just doesn't want to admit it or, or what. He's not like... Maybe he has really weak, like, girl arms and doesn't like lifting up a book. <laughs> it dries out your skin. Okay. Well, we know <laughs> how, how important it is for Livius to have moist hands. That's right. So, <clears throat> any rate, you can check them out at blastedheath.com. Um, you know what else you need to check out? Anonymous 9? Anonymous 9, yes. So, um, Anonymous 9. So, last week for the first time in... A really long time we gave out the uh, the voicemail number for the show. And uh, Anonymous9 actually called us. That's right, she did. She left a very nice message. She was listening to, I guess... So here's the thing about her, um, which uh, after looking, doing a little looking uh, from being uh, preparing for the episode, she's really into that crime community, that uh, the crime writing community that a bunch of friends of Booked are. So she was checking out our review of Frank Sinatra in a Blender... And that's when she realized. That's how she found out that we were going to be reviewing her book because we mentioned it at the end of the episode. So, um, yeah, she dropped us a line after that. But yeah, she's big time into that crime writing uh, community. That like, uh, you know, pretty much everybody we've been mentioning in the last few episodes is. Yeah, I, <laughs> it was a real pleasant surprise. I you know I get the email from from Google Voice and where I have both emails come to my phone. I didn't really pay attention to which account it was. And I go. I don't recognize this number. It's an out-of-state number, you know. So I click it, and I hear, "This is anonymous 9. And I go, "Wow, that's kind of, you know, wow. It's a little weird since we're going to review that book next." But yeah, she heard it on the episode. That was great. So, um, so yeah, more people should should call. Um, more authors that we're reviewing. James Patterson, if you're out yeah, there. Yeah, James Patterson, if you're paying attention, I'm going to give out the number here. Are you ready? Get your pen and paper. Seven seven three five nine nine. 1057 and uh, we'll give it again in a couple minutes if you want to grab something to scribble down with yeah or use your phone because we are in the 2000s and you can do stuff like that pens i i, I get angry at work all the time i work um for a major electronics retailer that i'm not going to mention by name and people every now and then are like do you have a pen and i'm like no because it's 2012 <clears throat> i'm not going to comment on that <laughs> I work somewhere completely different. We use pens all the time. We encourage pen use. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, any rate, here's that number one more time: seven seven three five nine nine one zero five seven. Even John Ferguson hasn't called us of late. I know, and we just keep saying his name. I hope you're all right out there, Sean. We love you. He was listening in that pause to hear if you were whispering again. <laughs> he's yeah, he's been ordered by his uh, his work to to cut all contact with the podcast. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm, I want to do a little follow up from uh, from last week's episode because something of uh, of importance has developed um, since we last spoke. Uh, we mentioned that there was uh, the Alex Merry Christmas Alex Cross was out. What I didn't happen to catch until this week was that um, it's like pa- mini Patterson watch. Do we have music for Patterson watch yet? No, we don't even have like opening credit music, <laughs> or oh, not opening true. credit, but like opening show opening music or show ending uh, music. I'm sure hey, we have something to do with if, the monkey. If we if we get if anybody out there is a, is a musician, you can feel free to send us some show opening or show ending music, and if it's if if it's to our taste, we'll start using that and not pay you for it. <laughs> Just thinking of people who've listened to the show wondering what our taste is exactly based on the garbage we play every week. So. Yeah, punk rock the Garbage girl. we encourage people to buy. Yeah. We encourage you to buy whatever you heard at the top of this episode. Buy all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but no, a mini Patterson watch. Zoo. The book Wait Zoo a minute. That we reviewed. Is there a mini James Patterson out there? Like a midget <laughs> version of James Patterson? Oh, I don't. I don't think they prefer to be called midgets, Rob. I'm sorry, a little person. You're you're sensitive. <laughs> little Patterson, way off today, man. <laughs> but um, Zoo, the graphic novel, 
Yeah, I said it. There's a graphic novel for that piece of crap book we read. Yeah, I'm shaking my head. You can't see it, but imagine me just shaking my head in a mix of like disgust and just amused kind of wonder. I totally thought you'd be into reviewing the graphic novel. No, no. So no, I had to say it twice very, yeah, very emphatically. No. So It's probably, wait, wait a minute. How much does it cost? I, I don't have it in front of me. All right, we're going to look it it's up. Like it's like forty nine ninety nine. It's like $300. You have to buy a Kindle Fire, and it comes with it on there already. Yeah, no kidding. I'm looking it up. <laughs> the problem is with that Kindle Fire. It says James Patterson really big at the top <laughs> and Kindle Fire really small at the bottom. Oh, are you ready for this? I'm ready. List price. Ooh, it's hardcover? That doesn't make any sense. Twenty five ninety nine. Wow. Yeah. But you can get it for as low as fifteen ninety seven right now. That thing is gonna be in like the bargain books bin at your favorite local retailer for four ninety nine by like March. There's like four monkey enthusiasts out there that are like, I really want that monkey to kill everyone and they're gonna buy that. That's yeah. it. That's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that they're actually publishing that piece of crap in another format. Yeah. Well, maybe they're trying to, like, maybe they're like, you know what? The book didn't work, but if we had pictures. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking that hotel scene, the dream they had, where the monkeys break in and kill them while they're in bed together in, like, Africa or whatever. That's, that's going to look good on the page. It might. It might. Maybe we can get some screenshots of it. Maybe, uh, do they have the, the preview of this book? Hold on. Hold the phone. Uh, see larger, share, uh, publisher. No. There's no customer images yet. Uh, there's no look inside or anything like that. No. Hmm. All right. I guess uh, the world will never know. Yeah, because yeah, no one's. Oh, there's no reviews for it yet either. Hmm. All right. Anyway. Because nobody's bought it. That book's terrible. You know what book's not going to be terrible? <laughs> What book is not going to be terrible? I think the book that we make is not going to be terrible. God, I hope it's not going to be terrible. Yeah. So far, we've got some, we've made some progress. We know we've been saying, hey, there's all these good, you know, submissions, and we're very excited about them. And we haven't told you anybody any details about who's going to be in it, but we have. I think finally we can crack the door open a little bit and give you a little peek, a little Black Friday peek at uh, some of our uh, the authors that are going to be in there. Um, we can. We. Uh... We don't really have a title for the book yet, so, but we do have confirmed authors that are appearing. So what does that mean? These stories have uh, have been submitted. We've done like, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of a soft acceptance. It's gone to editing. It's gone back to the author and been sent to us. So it is ready to go. So, um, Rob, I'm going to let you do the honors and mention um, the first author that's confirmed as appearing in our anthology. A a booked alum, uh, one of the first people that we actually... Actually, it is the first person that we spoke to on the podcast. So it's fitting that he's the first name that comes out uh, as being accepted into our anthology, and that's Mr. Caleb J. Ross. FCJR himself will be appearing in the booked <laughs> antho. That's right. With a story about how much he hates us and our, our, our <laughs> vile little jokes. That's right. Um and of course, I mean, this next one is not going to be a surprise to anybody, I don't think. Um, damn it, the guy's almost a part of the show. David James Keaton will also be appearing in the book anthology. Next up on that list, uh, newer to the show, but we really dug his stuff that we've read so far, and uh, his story that he submitted was pretty fantastic. David Keaton, by the way, before I go on to this next person, he was one of the most enthusiastic and early submitting of anybody. He basically, like, we I, I don't even know if, like, we realize, you know, Livius probably didn't know that I had sent out the like announcement email before we already had a submission. Like it was that fast. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, next up on that list, people that we've got stories coming out confirmed. Matthew C. Funk. Yeah, Matthew was on recently as part of our Noir at the Bar two interview series. Um, it was great to have him on, and it's a name that you know has come up on the show numerous times, and someone who's been on our radar forever. And now it's exciting that. Not only do we hear about stories of his all the time, but we're going to have one ourselves in our anthology. Truth. Truth. Word. Word. Um, another another one. Can we do one more? A couple more, maybe? 
We've got a few more. We can okay. do it when it's, there's no reason to hold back. All right. So Paul Tremblay, author of Swallowing a Donkey's Eye, um, with a fantastic story in this anthology, too. Really, really dug Paul's story, and uh, mm-hmm. glad we could have him on. He He's one of those guys where, like, we'd heard of him for a long time, but we'd been trying to connect forever, and it just didn't work out. So we finally got him on. We read his book. We got him on to talk to him, and he's just, like, very enthusiastic and very into participating and stuff. So mm-hmm. it was very nice, very nice. All right. Another show classic, someone that we love a lot. She's been on a couple times. Uh, Amanda Gowan's got a story that's going to be in this, and we really like that too. You'll remember Amanda from the <laughs> the zombie spectacular. She did the zombie one, right? The zombie spectacular. She did. Extravaganza. I can't remember the exact name of the episode, but it was pretty awesome. And Fifty Shades of Grey. And Fifty Shades of Grey, one of our mm-hmm. most popular episodes ever, and we interviewed her for Warmed and Bound. She's just been all over this podcast, and she's fantastic. She's talked about llamas more than any other guest ever unbooked. <laughs> I'm sure she worked really, really hard at that, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, she tried at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there have been two or three guests that haven't mentioned llamas at all. Yeah, so. but not Craig Clevenger. He definitely mentioned llamas. He did. And the final announcement we're going to officially make tonight for contributors to the booked anthology, Anthony David Jakes, who was also part of the Warmed and Bound sessions oh, well over a year ago now. Yeah, and he was he was one of our crew out in California when we went out there earlier this year. When, an excellent dude to hang out with. Very, very cool. All of these great stories, all of them going to appear in our anthology, making it not suck, which is my fear initially is what was going to happen. So these are, <laughs> these are the people that are helping to make sure that's not going to happen. And that's just a fraction of what we've had submitted to us so far. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just, yeah, it just keeps, keeps getting better and better every day. So glad we could finally give you some names of people that we are sure are going to show up in the book. And we will be doing that more as time goes on. Yep. Yeah, we've got get some pretty good ideas of who's going to be in this yet but we have very meticulous process we're going through and until everything's kind of you know pretty much final we're not we're not going to let the cat out of the bag that's right we're not gonna let the monkey off the wheelchair (laughs) we're not going to take the hat off the monkey that's right um so you mentioned that that was a black friday special um you know what today is it's thanksgiving it's thanksgiving and not only are rob and i not standing in front of a walmart right now but we are spending our holiday bringing you this podcast. That's right. Now, <laughs> it's being recorded on Thanksgiving. Realistically, it's probably going to be up on Saturday. But we want you to know that this is how we spent our Thanksgiving evening. Not with family, not passed out, not watching football. Um, we were recording for you. Yep. Rob also um, wanted to <laughs> mention earlier, I didn't make this reference, but um, we also recorded on Election Day and on Halloween dedication sir it is you know other people on halloween they're out trick-or-treating or they're out uh, looking at women dressed in in trampy costumes we were here recording an episode while everybody was watching that presidential race that looked a little closer than it ended up being we were here recording this episode yep while everybody was standing in line outside of best buy we were recording this episode um do you have any what are you doing black friday are you working i'm working you know what? You want to know what Jonathan Latham's doing tomorrow? I, I, I'd love to. I bet he's participating in Lack Friday. Nothing? Nothing. That book, As She Crawled Crime Across the Table or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. The Woman Fell in Love with Lack, is what they called the alternate universe thing. Mm-hmm. Lack. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. <laughs> Lack Friday. I'm sure. I'm Ugh. sure that later on tonight I'll be thinking about them being, you know, you know it's kind of clever. But right now it's got nothing. Oh, that's horrible, man. I thought of all the people I know, you were the only person that I had a shot of of appreciating that joke that I came up with earlier today. Yeah. Um I'm I'm sorry to to burst your bubble there. Um but I do know what could bring us back from this though. So let's uh maybe uh Skip Papersley. He's occasionally has jokes that are actually funny. All right, yeah. Uh, Skip, no longer sick, no longer on vacation. He's keeping it pretty steady. So we've got another one this week, and this one's pretty much a keeper. So here we go. 
This is Book News. I'm Skip Papersley. Now for the news. J.K. Rowling's The Casual Vacancy was denied its first award this week. The judges of the prestigious Literary Review have passed up the tale of voting and kids doing stuff for the Bad Sex in Fiction shortlist. While the winner hasn't been announced, Book News would like you to know that there is a book called The Quiddity of Wilf Self. Here's an excerpt. Down, down, down. On the eschatological bed, pages chafed me. My blood wept onto them. My cheek nestled against this scratch of paper. My cock was barely a ghost, but I did not suffer panic. In much different news, James Patterson has just released his most recent work of fiction. In the spirit of the season, the best-selling author wrote and published his Things I Am Thankful For 2012 list. On the list are Alex Cross movies, Dubstep, My Fans, Cheetos, The Pointer Sisters, and not having to apologize for not titling this list Things For Which I Am Thankful 2012. Patterson's list is currently available on Kindle and Nook for $24.99. Now for the New York Times bestsellers in fiction recap. J.K. Rowling is getting voted off the island. The casual vacancy is number five. Gone Girl is back with a vengeance. Gillian Flynn and I are getting married. Number four. Barbara Kingsolver is perched at number three with her book, Flight Behavior. The number two spot is pointed by Clive and Dirk Kussler's Poseidon's Arrow. Finally, John Grisham's book about a tennis player gone vigilante, The Racketeer, is number one. This has been Book News. I'm Skip Papersley, signing off. All right. I think that we may have to look into that book that he was reading from as our next review. Yeah, definitely. Oh, the other thing, I I don't know if he knows this, um, but Skip is kind of local to the Chicago area like we are. And you know who else is? No. Gone Girl author Gillian Flynn. So their well, marriage could become a reality. That's that's very, very awesome. Dude, what the hell was he talking about? Were you able to find any information on that book? That uh, the, the book he read from? Yes. Yeah, I did look it up. And um, it, <laughs> so I'm at the website and I'm looking at, I mean, it's an actual book, The Quiddity of whatever Will Self, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And... So I'm thinking, okay, what's this about? And then I'm looking, and it's a bunch of you know blurbs that people have said awesome stuff about the book. And I'm thinking, this doesn't tell me anything about what the book is. So navigating around, and I see about the book. So I click on about the book. Do you want to know what it said about the book? I, I that's yes, I'd love to. Nothing. It didn't say anything about the book. It was basically like um, the book is something that you really should read. And then they talked a lot about the author, and that's it. So like, I have no idea what the book is about at all. Um, you know, I think that's probably a bad thing when the about the book is not actually about the book, or it's about the book, but not about the story. Yeah, exactly. Like, mm, probably not. I mean, it's not giving me much confidence, at least with Hard Bite. I knew I was going to have someone in a wheelchair, and I knew I was going to have a monkey, probably some murders. And it all happened. This we got, I don't know, Nothing. The quiddity of Will Self. I don't know, man, but um, I gotta say, Skip really brought it with that reading. <laughs> when you wonder where he gets that voice from, it's very—I uh, don't know—it's definitely a weirdo voice. Yeah. So, um, speaking of reading, uh, we have no idea what we're reading next week. Yeah, what's going on, guys? You got to start sending us some books for free, so we don't have to keep digging through Amazon's lists trying to find something worthy of our time. What we could do is, I was thinking about this, we could go and review one of the May-December books, and then we get free books all next year for May-December. <laughs> Wouldn't it be cool if we were the ones that won the competition The competition they've got going yeah, on? I did. I, I gotta tell you, I did not see any contest rules that said that, you know, <laughs> booked employees of Booked were not eligible to win, so... Todd really likes us, though. I have a feeling if we asked nice enough, he would just give us review copies of everything they make. That's possible. That's possible. You know we're going to be appearing in one of those books. Yeah, how awesome is that? I saw the cover the other day, and I saw he posted on his website uh, the cover image and then and uh, like an excerpt, that the part of the excerpt that actually mentions our names. Mm-hmm. And you see the cover image, and you're like, how awesome would it be if that was us? <laughs> Dude, that's the whole thing. I don't think you caught the commentary on that. I'm pretty sure it is us. Well, it is. Did you read the full yeah. excerpt? Because, like... I did, but listen, Denise Brown, very close to Todd Brown. She works over there. Somehow there's something going on with the two of them. Uh, <laughs> they might. She yeah. mentioned 
she mentioned in a comment that she thought the one with the broken neck was me. So we have confirmation. That's not just a maybe. We say, hey, maybe they hung a lot of people in that book. So I didn't want to be the guy to be like, hey, look at that. That is a uh, very thin representation of the booked fellas. But uh, I'm pretty sure it is. You know, it's about time we grace the cover of a book. Yeah, I know. You'd think this would have happened, what, six, seven episodes in? Easily, yeah. And and mentioned in a book, we are characters in a zombie book. How awesome is that? It's very awesome. I'm pretty sure we don't make it for very long. That's fine. You know, that's, you know. I don't you know. Always if... said, you always said you, you'd just give up right away if there was a zombie <laughs> apocalypse. And I don't know if, like, Rob Olson is really a protagonist name. It's more of, like, a supporting character type name. I'm not going to get into this conversation right now about protagonist names, but I will reflect back to this in a future episode. All right. Also, um, have you been, your name has been used elsewhere, right? Pretty much like we start this podcast and, you know, uh, we start getting in contact with these authors and writers and stuff and having people on the episodes and stuff. And it's nice. And then suddenly everybody just loves Livius's name and they're asking him about his name. We're talking about it on the podcast. Craig Clevenger is like, you know, talking about how awesome your name is. So I think you've been used other places, right? Um, I have. I wasn't going to mention it, but but there is a web series called Proxy Influence that's out that the protagonist's name is Livius. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's also. Uh, didn't Kevin Lynn Helmick write a story with you as uh, with your name, at least your first name? I think he may have been working on something. I don't didn't actually see that yet it's been tossed but around your name is 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 flooding our, our the people that we influence it's flooding their works oh i'm telling you from this podcast dude soon there will be it'll be one of the top baby names 25 years from now you won't be able to talk to somebody whose name isn't livius <laughs> 25 years from now i'm not going to want to talk to anybody whose name is livius <laughs> <laughs> all right all right so we mentioned the may december giveaway <laughs> Last week we mentioned that we were doing a giveaway, and we weren't very clear. <laughs> Apparently, Rob sent me a message after I had said you just got hit with both barrels and looked at. <laughs> Apparently, thought that was a little off color for for a Twitter tweet thing. So um, this week, probably not right now because we're running a little long. We will be on Twitter. We will be on Facebook. Um, you'll get details on how to win a copy of Shotgun Honey, both barrels. Apparently, Rob says it's some kind of rare edition. I think that's because he's been sleeping with it under his pillow. Um, but uh, so we will be doing that giveaway starting, oh, I don't know, probably Black Saturday. Is it called Black Saturday? No. But any day of the week that's around Black Friday. Today's Black Thursday. That's true. Did I tell you my Cyber Monday story from when I was buying shoes last year? No. Okay. Uh, you you have to. This, you're not going to like this at all, but it's just one of those things that, like, this is how my mind works, and I need to, you know, inflict it on anybody who happens to be listening to this. So about, I just realized the other day about, I, I have these pair of Chuck Taylors that I wear all the time, and I realized that um, I've had them about a year, and the reason I know that is I was thinking about Cyber Mondays coming up, and then I remembered buying the shoes, and then and so I bought these shoes, and as I'm getting ready to leave, the cashier woman hands me this flyer, and she says, we have C- Cyber Monday deals. And I, I totally heard her wrong. I thought she said, we have Cyborg Monday deals. And for a moment, I'm like really excited about the, like, why would they, why would a shoe store have something called Cyborg Monday? And I got really excited to figure out what was going on. And then I realized I just heard her wrong. <laughs> I was kind of hoping the story was going in the direction of that time when you heard about Cyber Monday and you sent a whole bunch of really inappropriate <laughs> messages to young ladies. <laughs> Thinking that that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's the joke I made last year, I think. Oh, God. This All year right. it's cyborgs. So, as I mentioned, we have no idea what's up next. It might be the quiddity of Will Self. <laughs> it could be the, the zoo graphic novel. We have no idea at this point what the next episode is going to be. All I can tell you for sure is we're going to have a next episode. And that we're going to have some interviews coming up. Very, very shortly. Lots of interviews, yeah. And yeah. our next episode is going to be number 120. It felt like it took forever to get to 100. Now we're at 120. We're just blasting through these. We are blasting through them. So now that Rob mentioned that, if you need to catch episodes 1 through 30, 
you can do so exclusively on our website now. I'm not going to have Rob explain that jumbled mess from last time, but archives are now on our website. They're no longer available through iTunes. They were never available on Stitcher because Stitcher thinks that we're so cool they can only bring like 10 episodes at a time, not to overwhelm their servers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. Rob made the magic happen. Episodes 1 through 30, currently, bookpodcast.com. And a bit of perspective on that for anybody who's listened for a while or at least has heard us talk about it. Practically all of the Warmed and Bound episodes now exist only in archives. So if you want to hear our very popular Craig Clevenger episode, Stephen Graham Jones episode, uh, even our Brian Evanson episode, those are rapidly going away and will only be available through our archives. Yeah. So, oh, don't forget the Dan Hines episode. Oh, yeah. Dan was on an episode. Two. Two of them. Concurrent, 18 and 19. CB&B review and the David James Keaton interview. There you go. So, if you need to catch up with Dan Hines, Stephen Graham Jones, Craig Clevenger, Anthony Jakes, who is going to be in our anthology, catch it in the archives. All that Rob stuff. did his magic. It's all magic. It's all magic. Yeah, it's on the front page, the little thing that says archives. You click on that, and you can listen to any of those episodes you want. You can download them. You can put them up on torrents and have other people download them. You just can't get them on iTunes anymore. Rob, you thankful for anything? It's Thanksgiving. <clears throat> um, what are you thankful for while I prepare something? Thankful for free books, people listening to the show. I am definitely thankful for both those things. I'm thankful for, oh, I put up a thankful post on Facebook earlier today. Thankful for Malaz Corbier, even though we haven't seen him much lately. We miss you, Malaz. Thankful for Skip Papersley, who has made many people choose to come back and listen to us where maybe they wouldn't otherwise. Uh, thankful for Pela Villa, who's helping us a little bit with our anthology. A little bit, he says. A lot. A lot bit. <laughs> thankful for Sean Ferguson, for just everything, for just existing. All the contributors... For the anthology, all the people that have been on this podcast, anybody who clicked like, I'm thankful for a lot of stuff. Wow. I just like the free books. I'm thankful for bourbon. I'm really digging bourbon lately. Uh, oh, no, no. Go on. Go on. <laughs> um, Stop on my account. Coffee. I like coffee a lot. Uh, fleece pajama pants, which I'm wearing right now that have robots on them. And... Thankful Livius is just letting me talk. I'm not so thankful that you didn't agree with me that that Jonathan Latham joke that I made was awesome. Not so thankful about that. But that's all I got. Yeah, that's that's plenty of stuff to be thankful for, though. Um, that that's yeah, that's a lot of stuff there. So, all right, and uh, that'll do it for us uh, talking about hard bites, talking about some cool free stuff, and uh, talking about what we're thankful for. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody! Until next time, I'm Rob Olson, and I'm Livia Snedden. Keep reading. <laughs> <laughs>